0: Welcome to Crafting a Revolution, the podcast. My name is Katie Freeman. I'm one of your hosts. Every week we bring you interviews with female identifying and non-binary folks who are makers of all kinds from all over the world. Today's guest is Christina Vincent. She is a uh, fine furniture maker, woodworker, Uh, has a varied history with different types of craft, I will say, Um, and just a really interesting journey getting into making fine furniture and uh, what it's been like kind of growing into that just as the pandemic started. Uh, So there's definitely some maybe points in there that I think we can all relate to for sure. Before we hop into the interview with Christina, I would like to give a big shout out and thanks to the patrons over on Patreon. So thank you so much. Lee at Lee Runyon, Annette 513 Woodworks, Katie Thompson, Women of Woodworking, Kevin Lefty's Woodshop, Christy Twisted Twine, Jeremy, Jeremy Speece, Sammy, Go Sammy Lee, Rachel Moody Makes. Bonnie, Tool Mom Bonnie, Tool Mom Store.com, Laura Oakley Soap Company, Brandy Studio Obey, Lee the Rainbow Carver, Ellen Little Bear Furniture, and Ethan, Ethan Carter Designs. Thank you so much for your continued ongoing support on a monthly basis, helping uh, the podcast produce the content that we do. If you would like to support the podcast in an ongoing monthly manner as well, you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash crafting a revolution and check out the tiers over there. No matter what tier you choose, your name will get added to the list of thank yous at the start of the episode for every episode. If you would like to support the podcast and cannot commit to an ongoing monthly basis, you also have an option to do a one-time donation, or you know you can do it more than one time, but it doesn't hold you to a monthly schedule. Um, follow along with the podcast over on Instagram at Crafting a Revolution, and there's a link in bio there uh, that you can use to get to the uh, single time. Donation to help support the podcast. So, all right, let's head on into the conversation with Christina Vincent. Um, All right, so why don't we just kind of jump right on in? And, uh, Christina, I like to start by asking my guests to introduce themselves. Would you do that for me?
1: Sure. Uh, I'm Christina Vincent. Uh, I'm a fine woodworker. I live on North Haven Island. In Maine. Um, Yeah, I I do a varied number of pieces um, from chairs to wall pieces, cutting boards, earrings. Um, Yeah, I
0: enjoy working with wood. (laughs) Okay. Oh, good. So I have to ask how big is the island, like population wise? Like, well, (laughs) so
1: there's no 350 of us that live here year round. Okay. And then in the summer, um, there's a couple thousand. Okay. Um, And I think our widest point is like two by like seven, two miles by like seven miles. But it's long and narrow.
0: Gotcha. It's hard to imagine that necessarily visually in my head, that distance, but I imagine there's still a good amount of space between you all, yes. (laughs)
1: Um, We, you know, everybody has their space. We have a little downtown where, you know, it's like anyone else's cozy downtown, Um, but we're 12 miles out to sea, only accessible by a ferry three times a day and um, plane, or if you have your own boat, yeah, so it deters those faint of heart from
0: wanting to live here. <laughs> this has nothing to do with what you actually do, but I ha- like groceries. Do you have to take the ferry to get groceries or do you have them there on the island?
1: There is a grocery store here on the island. Um, it's a small grocery store. You kind of just go for general supplies when you need it. Um, probably like... A week to ten days, I go across and gotcha. stock up. Um, plus, you want to see like the real world and people and things <laughs> actually happening. Um, the longest stint was the onset of COVID, and I think I didn't leave for six months, and I was going stir crazy because I didn't see anybody. You know, right. like you know, people would actually pick up groceries and like send them out to us, and right. and you're like. It's felt like a mini apocalypse, really, mm-hmm. but
0: I can imagine, week. yeah, I mean, the most. Right. I mean, I know that it felt somewhat like that at the start of COVID, just even for us, and we don't, like, we live in town, Iowa is a pretty rural, like, state in general, there's not, like, a lot of, like, big metropolis areas, mm-hmm. um, But where we do live is where one of the three state universities uh, is, and it's like the biggest university. So in general, it's like, you know, it's decent sized, at least when school is in session. Um, Maybe like, I think it's something like 60,000 people without college students. And then when college students come, it's like double that. So it's 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 an okay size. But even still, it's like, I even remember thinking we live so close to our neighbors, yet I have not seen a single soul <laughs> like for, you know, I think we, it was similar, like a six month stint, like, cause we ordered out groceries, like Instacart and stuff like that. And right. yeah, it was, we weren't going anywhere. So even though I don't live in the middle of an island, I felt very <laughs> much like an apocalypse as well. Um, well so where
1: better
0: knowing that other people are experiencing a little bit of that as well yes yes um okay so now that i have sidetracked us i'll go back and say (laughs) i want to know kind of what is the story of christina from like baby christina like where you were born to how you found yourself on an island making things from wood okay
1: well. All right. Uh, I grew up in Minot. Uh, it's also in Maine. Okay. And, uh, went to Edward Little. It's a bigger high school in, um, Auburn, big into sports, big into art. And I ended up going to university of Rhode Island to study, um, fashion design and art. Um, I left there like well, graduated. <laughs> um, I graduated and wanted to get a job um, more like an outdoor apparel, because I'm definitely more of an outdoors girl than high fashion. Mm -hmm. Um, That didn't seem to work out. I worked at an interior design company um, in Vermont. So I was kind of like, I did a little bit of a design work, worked with clients a little bit, but mostly I was like store operations. Mm It didn't pay the best. Uh, I had three other jobs and I was like, this cannot be why I possibly went to college. Um, But I also loved backpacking. So I was in university. I um, did a study abroad in Australia and um, New Zealand. And I just kind of became addicted to backpacking. Um, So by the time I realized that I wasn't really getting anywhere in Vermont, I did, I booked a trip to um, Thailand and Fiji and I just backpacked for a while and it was great. And then um, my good friend growing up, now husband um, was like, hey, come to an island. It's beautiful. And of course it's a summer, so it was mm-hmm. beautiful. Um, and he's like, you can make a bunch of money lobster. So I was like, okay. I'll give it a whirl. <laughs> I Really didn't like lobstering. I really didn't. People love it. I didn't, but that's okay. Um, so I found myself here on an island. I really liked it. Again, nature. I just love being outdoors. And you know, if you like the outdoors and peace and quiet, there you go. Um, but I needed a job, so I started working with a um, carpentry company here. Okay. And that kind of evolved. So I went from a very small carpentry company and then I ended up working with um, a larger one. I became really comfortable with tools, ended up building my house. um, And, you know, then I needed furniture for my house. So I dabbled in that a little bit. It was mostly with like nails and screws. You know, you're so used to the nail gun and why not? So it came really quickly doesn't really hold together as well um, the thing I didn't like about the company I was working with he was working with all men I was the only woman and you know I did great work they really wanted me to stay but I there was no room for further advancement and I just wanted to be more creative and it was okay um, most of them actually thought it was really funny when I was like I want to build fine furniture and they're like, okay, good luck. So uh, I don't know if it was just me being stubborn. I ended up um, leaving and I took a couple of courses at um, Center for Furniture Craftsmanship. It's in Rockport. It's a really great um, wood school. And I just started building. Um, I also started a landscape and design company because I needed supplemental income. So I still do that, I have um, that company, which I work like half the year and then half the year I do um, woodworking. I would like this to um, be more so. I mean, I love plants, love being outdoors. It's a lot of damn work. Um, (laughs) It's a lot of work and I, you know, it's a different type of creating. Mm -hmm. I don't want to fully jump out of that ship. Just because i do enjoy being outside who doesn't love beautiful flowers and you know the mm-hmm. vegetable gardens that i you know get to plant and take care of in the cotton flower gardens and stuff really great um some of the other things a little too much <laughs> um but i i was lucky enough to take the uh, three-month course at the center for furniture craftsmanship i think it was 2017 2018 and that really um, propelled my work into the next level um, of fine woodworking and craftsmanship overall. Um, and I started applying to events like the Philadelphia Museum of Art and the Smithsonian and just like bigger events and just kind of like seeing what happened. Um, yes, I got in, but I also got in in 2019, right before COVID <laughs> and that was just like, okay. I mean, they've done such a great job of putting things online and still hosting the shows. Um, and I'm hoping that this year, more events, you know have seemed to started to um, continue once again, mm-hmm. um, just because it's a whole different animal. When people get to, you know, furniture, the furniture that I'm building is a little higher price point. It's defined furniture. It's more of a, has to be your style it yeah. has to be an investment piece. A lot of people want something custom, but they want to know what your work is like, um, and you know you can't really do that without seeing it. And you also want to meet the person. Um, so I've been grateful and really lucky to have a community, um, the summer community, and some of the, even the um, local community has been great. Um, this winter, I'm I have. I'm filled with orders, so it's good. I'm completely, um, I'm happy and content and filled until I have to go back out and landscape. Um, And, you know, that's been wonderful because I've still got to be, I've still been able to create um, and do the things that I love. Um, Last winter was a little scary um, just because I I feel like there was this weird lull for a little while, um, but I still, I was able to do other things like create um, create a collection of pieces that I was able to show, mm-hmm. which in turn um, I got the work for this winter. So it's kind of like ebb and flow, ebb and flow. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. So that's my story. Um, right now I have a small studio space. I do have a lot of great tools. I do love tools. Um, so I'm lucky to, I usually buy myself a tool every year, like an investment tool. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's been growing. That's really great. The next really big thing is I'd like to have a proper workshop, like really have my workshop with a finishing room and a storage room and, you know, my workspace, And that would be great.
0: (laughs) I think that's like the dream for every, for every, like, you know, woodworker, furniture maker is like, that right there like you once you get a space then you just continue to like dream about the next biggest space <laughs> um, and put
1: out with more tools and more exactly
0: space. yeah <laughs> exactly um awesome well first i i need to like ask because like you said you're like you're like the outdoors person the you know you love tools now and stuff so I'm curious about the story behind fashion school, and fashion design.
1: <laughs> well, that's an interesting little quirk. Uh, so growing up, my mom, you know, really wanted me to be a girly girl and like makeup and cute clothes and all this stuff. And I was the cheerleader and like that kind of was yeah. like me. And I wasn't as encouraged like most girls to do anything handy like tools or you know mathematics you know just something like fun and look really cute so i was on the track of like you know i love art so being creative was encouraged and you know still going to college and all that was really encouraged but um you know so i liked clothes because that's kind of how i was brought up um but the outdoor component, um, my brother had a lot to do with that. He, um, he did a lot of like um, hiking and just outdoor stuff. And then he started taking me, um, he's four years older than I am. So he just started taking me with him and I really enjoyed it. So from the beginning with onset of actually going to University of Rhode Island um, to graduation, I evolved in what I wanted from it. Um, more from like the fashion, high fashion look to mm-hmm. more of the functional outdoor wear and, you know, uh, and even work wear because, you know, I Carhartt was, you know, beginning to get big at that point. It fit funny. It wasn't, you know what I mean? You wanted something mm-hmm. that fits, not like a boy. You wanted yep. it to look good, you know what I mean? Like functional. Because whenever you wear anything, you want to feel good in it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the better you feel with whatever you're wearing, the better you're gonna do, no matter what. So um, anyway, I, uh, I kind of evolved from that, but it didn't pan out. You know, life has a funny way of changing, switching things up on us. Mm-hmm. So from fashion, I went into interior design, which the company was, you know, it was a really fun company. The woman was, um, was a small company. She had a store in um, Vermont and New York and Massachusetts and it was like fun bright colors and just very you know laid back it mm-hmm. wasn't stressful it was great um so I don't have any you know regrets in doing that it wasn't you know as I said it wasn't stressful it was a learning experience right um and I enjoyed it
0: it's just did I mean I'm so I'm just kind of again I'm, I'm curious at the like coming out with that, does like fashion design and then going into interior design, just the design path, like do you like, do you feel like you could hop into that and like have like, how was the learning curve, I guess, of jumping into um, interior design from more of a fashion design? background, at least schooling-wise?
1: Um, it wasn't too far-fetched. I mean, you yeah. the the type of people, you know, well, if I think about like high fashion and then the interior design that we were doing, I think the type of person that those two kind of correlated a little bit, um, mm-hmm. then it was like in, since I was in the Vermont office, it was more of these like cottagey places. Mm-hmm. So... I don't think it was such a big jump. Um I'm glad I did it. I mean I don't really think I had a I had a choice. But <laughs> I'm, I'm like really trying to like put this together. Um I think I looked at it more as an opportunity in compa- like because that's what ended up panning out. Right. So it was more of like a learning opportunity. So I went in with Without any preconceived notions,
0: mm-hmm.
1: so it it didn't really like bother me about what else I had to learn or adjust to. Um, but I'm glad that I did because then it put me in a space of, you know, getting to see furniture and home mm-hmm. decor, which you know, in hindsight, that probably helps now with like the way right. that I look at things and see how, um, you know, what appeals to me. I mean, there's many other influences, but for being there for a couple of years, it definitely um, gave me a little bit more um, background in that, whereas I had never really immersed myself in that kind of environment before.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I could definitely see that benefit. Like, I've not worked for, you know, an interior designer, but like I had some of my pieces um, like in the on the showroom floor of like an a local interior designer and I think like just even the interactions of going in there and like seeing the spaces and then seeing like what she would procure to put on the showroom floor like even that was influential in the sense of like okay like this is somebody who's kind of like I mean, I knew her clientele was the clientele that ideally I would like to have for my pieces. Um, and so you could watch that and like connect the dots as far as, okay, what are design trends or what makes something good versus, you know, not necessarily something that is for everybody type thing. <clears throat> so well, I can I definitely it, see that.
1: Great. Right. well, but I honestly think that pretty much anything across the board is for somebody. It just has to be in the right space, you know, you know, it certain like my fine furniture wouldn't necessarily be so great in like a boho thing. Like, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? It just needs to fit um, the space or, you know, the environment that it's intended for.
0: Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Then the, Pivot from what I would say is um, like to me, like I mean, design yes has its hands-on aspect, but definitely not in the same regard as like lobsters and cabinet making <laughs> or landscaping. Or landscaping, yes. <laughs> um, I mean, was well, it was it a nice? Do you feel like it was a welcomed pivot into like working with your with your hands as much as working with your mind?
1: Um, let's see. So, I I enjoyed the design aspect a lot and seeing how it comes together. Like, mm-hmm. um, I prefer creating in this medium, maybe a little bit more. Than others, mm-hmm. um, I do like actually choosing plants for a specific site. I mean, I find that fun. That's the part of design that I enjoy. I don't necessarily want to take it in for the rest of my life, right? Um, <laughs> I prefer, um, you know, this to me has a little bit more of my personality because I get to express myself through it, um, and as I. I learn, it evolved. Um, There's, you know, I have an idea that I want to develop and I'm really kind of excited about that. It's a little bit more color. Um, So hopefully we'll get into that. Well, hopefully (laughs) I'll evolve into that. Um, Just kind of as like an offshoot. Mm -hmm. I still want to do fine woodworking um, and pieces and everything. Um, I find, I really enjoy doing shows, going to galleries or events. Um, I'm really excited to be part of the Smithsonian um, this April, and I really hope that it goes on. Just the collaboration of artists, whether it's in my same medium or just overall, you, know, you get to see what people are doing. You get to meet creative minds, and it's really inspiring, um, and I draw a lot from those type of events. So since... Um, COVID, it's been really challenging. You know, you don't really get that with Zoom. You, you know, you get to talk, but you don't really, as I said, you don't get to see their pieces. Right. Um, it's not the same. So um, I am glad that I have um, this to fill, you know, the, the time in a creative way. I'm a creative person. I don't know what I really would have done these past two years if I hadn't have had this in as part of my life.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm interested. So now I have to ask about the color because you brought it up. And um, (laughs) I'm somebody from the moment I learned you could put color that wasn't paint onto wood. I was like hooked. And so there are very few pieces that I have created since that time that don't have something on it that's like an element of color. Um, so I'm curious about like, if, you, if you're if you able to to share some of that stuff that you're exploring. No, I'm not
1: able to divulge in that. It's
0: just gonna be a little bit more fun
1: and whimsical. Um, but what I found myself last year, so I do a lot of inlay work, so it's was working with, you know, lighter, darker work, you know, to show like a pattern or whatnot. Um, but last year, as I said, when I didn't have as many orders and I was kind of in a low and it was really cold <laughs> and everything just looked gray, gray, gray. And you're just like, I'm alone on an island. Um <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I started I I taught myself like it, it's not very challenging but mm-hmm. um shaker tape weaving and I made a few benches and some wall pieces mm-hmm. I really like that just incorporating some kind of color and I played with Danish cord as well that wasn't I mean it's a tan but mm-hmm. it, it was more of a texture like texture color you know how I can incorporate that that's always a lot of fun um and I do want to incorporate that more um, when I get to, you know, when I get to the next slot, I'm doing yeah. my creations. Um, it, you know, as an artist, you know, people do pieces in one solid color and it's beautiful or one solid um, uh, wood type and yeah. it is beautiful. And, it, you know, they can do it so wonderfully, but sometimes um, that like hint of color or just Something a little
0: different. It kind of speaks to me. Hey, makers. Today's episode is sponsored in part by ToolMomStore.com. At ToolMomStore.com, you can find any and all tool based merchandise for all genders, all sizes. They've got mugs, they've got shirts all kinds of cool stuff. I have uh, one of the shirts myself that has the uh, hashtag would work her on it and I also have a couple of the mugs that define what and who is a tool chick. So super excited with the merchandise that I have. I know that you will be satisfied as well um, and also great discount for those of you who listen to the podcast at checkout, if you enter the code MAKERMOM, you will get a 20% discount off any of the merchandise that you buy. So that's just toolmomstore.com. All right, let's head back into the action. Yeah, I'm I'm like one of those people that like the very traditionalist woodworkers like <laughs> think I'm just evil because I can't leave just wood color as wood color. <laughs> um, uh you know, it's just, I took, I, I didn't get to complete the, the program, but I took several courses um, at a woodworking program in Southern California. And I took uh, like a wood finishing class, like 101 type thing, which I expected to be just kind of like, oh, lacquers and polyurethanes and oil and, you know, like the things I was used to learning about. Um, But the teacher for the course, like, um, you know, had her own business where she did all kinds of creative stuff and a lot of all, all of it dealt with with color. And so she had just like one small sliver of a section on like using dye to add color to wood. And I think I'm probably the only one who was in that class that was like so ecstatic in like coloring things um and i think i was ecstatic because again the only thing i knew about adding color to wood was paint and i do feel like that it to me tends to be a sacrilege unless it's milk paint then i i do have a love-hate relationship with milk paint but um because i do like like i pick my wood a lot of times, based on the the grain shapes and flow, and so I want to be able to see that grain still, um, even if I don't want it to be the color of wood. I still want to see like the wood grain, um, and so the fact of being able to add the dye and it not cover up like the grain that you still see the grain. You're just essentially changing the color. Was just something that I was like I just fell in love with it and um you know I've since like I'll do different things and add color using different methods than just dye now but um I don't know I'm one of those people too though that really enjoys like shocking somebody in the sense of when they see the work they're like from a distance they see just a bright color that brings them in and then they go that's wood like just that you know I don't know
1: what else do you use besides the traditional like the dyes to make bright colors and so they it stand out
0: um I've used like different kinds of alcohol inks um you know to add color to in certain spots that's more like patterned type stuff um and then like I said I do actually like um milk paint to a degree but usually what i do is i water it down so much that it becomes a wash versus like it being like a solid paint on top um i'm not a big stain fan uh because there again it tends to obscure the grain beneath it Mm -hmm. Um, but i've studied different methods of of dye so i've tried to get back to when where it makes sense um, you know, going all the way back to, like, Native American ways of creating color pigments that they would use on fabric. Um, it works very much the same way on wood, because it's a, it is a fiber, um, and so, so. When
1: you get into, like, plants and stuff like that, like, you know, mm-hmm. you like, calendula you
0: know, yeah, options. using, like, different produce and stuff, you know, and boiling it down and extracting, yeah, the color from it, and Learning how to prepare the surface um, so that it will take and hold that color for a long time. I mean, the sun sun is still the enemy of any color on wood, but, um, <laughs> even but natural wood.
1: As long as maybe it's an indoor piece,
0: it would yes. last a lot longer. Yes, yes. But I mean, I think some people are shocked to even understand that even even when you leave wood just its own natural color, like the sun has a huge effect on that color. Um, You know, like you can see it in people's kitchen cabinets if like part of the kitchen gets sun and the other part does not. (laughs) like as as the years go on, you see a difference in color of those cabinets.
1: Especially cherry. Yes. (laughs) Cherry is probably the worst. Yes. It's, not, well, it's nothing worse, like I, um, I have a couple of places that um, I'll, I'll have pieces in different galleries or whatever, but if I have a cherry table or a cherry anything, you know, you just specifically have to tell them, you can't put anything on top of this because like, as soon yep. as you take it off, you're gonna have like a big ring. You know, it's one of those things that just has to age on its own and yep. you know, it's beautiful, but it, it's photosensitive
0: for sure. It is. Um... So, yeah, I've,
1: I have uh, you could do that for
0: color. Yes, it
1: makes different, <laughs> different stages.
0: Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, do you like, do you have the opportunity to source your lumber like from the island at all? Or do you have to like, ship it all in?
1: Um, I usually go off Island for a majority of the lumber that I work with. Um, I prefer kiln dried. Um, we don't have any kiln dried place here. Um, there, somebody does do a little bit of milling work, mm-hmm. but it's one of those things that you just have to air dry it after yeah. which in a, like a location that's, you know, mm-hmm. pretty dry for <laughs> a couple of years. Right. And I don't really have that storage capability right now. Um, in the beginning when I first started I there's this book called Uncle Henry's. It's an odds and ends little book that comes out like every two weeks and it's got everything from free we can go get some like someone's chickens that they don't want anymore or like boxes I don't know it's like the randomest magazine uh, pamphlet ever. But like there is a you know building materials in it. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know much at the beginning so I was like oh that's where I probably should source some of my hardwood from so you know I started sourcing and at first I was buying um just naturally air dried wood um and it the it could have been how it was dried again since I've just switched um but it took it had so much more um warp and west in the wood that it took a really long time to mill and it, it was just got to a point where it really wasn't worth it yeah um so I don't know maybe it's because I'm a wood snob now because I went to the school but you know <laughs> they you know, they were great and like all right well you know milled kiln dried wood stays pretty um you know after it's at a certain moisture level yeah. it's pretty stable you can have your odd piece that kind of like goes out of wonk yeah. once you clean it too much, but overall it's pretty stable. Um, and it wasn't all weighty and wonky to yeah. begin with. So you can just kind of mill a lot faster and get to your finished product um, without such you're cutting down on time. Yeah. And that to me is really important because I'm one person. Yeah. I don't have other people helping me. So, you know, a really intense piece already costs enough without me having to spend, you know, all that time milling, which, you know, adds on electricity costs and blades and wear and tear and all, you know, it all adds up. So um, I find that um, kiln dried stuff is my friend. Um, (laughs) 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 I sourced from a couple different places. I go down to um, Portland, there was a place that just closed, it was called Rugby, and I can't think of the place that it, it morphed to because um, I haven't been yet. But, um, you know, I go for things, um, you know, certain woods there. There's a really great place, uh, Days Hardwood in Freeport. Um, two really great guys kind of run it. And um, I, I actually source a lot of the sapile that I, um, I get. I go there for um and then they say
0: bless place. your soul for working with sapile not a fan
1: <laughs> <laughs> I really like sapile is like I have you know maybe a four foot board piece of purple heart um that I use in like earrings and stuff I don't usually work with it it's a very decorative piece I usually work with my domestics Um, aside from the sepulé. I really like the warmth of it. I have a mirror right here that I've been working with, but it's just a really warm color. And then I did um, the maple inlay with that. That's what I usually, um, one of my, the piece that I really love is this bench I do. It's called Acadia. Um, I usually just keep that in the cipule. Um, the it's
0: just, I, I like working with it. I, um, I, lo- I like the color of it. I'm not going to like, lie, <laughs> But that is the one wood that I got kiln dried. That I don't know what tree it came from. That no matter how many times I milled it to try to get to my dimension, I'd leave, come back the next day, and it was twisted every single time. Huh. Yes. And I was like, no, I am not touching this stuff ever again. Like it was just so frustrating.
1: That is so funny because I find it to be really stable wood.
0: Um <laughs> it, could, uh, be be the, it could be the it
1: could be the trees that, that yeah. Really well piece. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so yeah. I like that. I really like working with walnut. Um I like my figured maples a lot you know, I try and use some contrasting work. So, walnut and ash look really nice together. Um, And if you're using the maple, the the sepilé looks really great, but so does cherry. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I have a little bit of like, flame birch, red and yellow. Um, So, mostly my palette, the rest of my palette, besides that one, is a domestic hardwood. and I prefer to, you know, I'd prefer working with my domestics, yeah. but there are exceptions.
0: Yes. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I use, I mean, in my shop, it's usually walnut. I don't have a ton of cherry, but it's usually walnut or maple. Um, and that's just, it's easy to source. I try to go with a, local sawmills when I can, Um, And trying to use lumber that's been like, you know, the tree was removed because it like was diseased or it was dying or whatever. Um, Fell down in windstorm, you know, whatever whatever may be the case. Um, So I try to do that. I totally get what you're saying with air dried versus kiln dried. I usually go kiln dried if it's a matter of time and I need something very specific, um, but I also grab a lot of just like, you know, freshly cut stuff that I'm gonna stack and it's gonna sit in my shop for a couple of years and dry. Um, it looks like you have a
1: very nice big shop. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> well, I have a wall, my wall of wood that is for sure, <laughs> but a lot of that, you know it's just purchased through like Craigslist or Facebook marketplace or whatever. And then I only have myself to blame if it warps. And that's because I didn't like stack and sticker it correctly. Um, It goes all crazy. Um, But again, I'm also not building the traditional fine furniture for the majority of what I do. The majority of what I do I'm carving. And so I usually only care that I can get one surface flat. That's all I care about. Um, And so it doesn't matter as much to me, but I can totally see like when I'm going to be making pieces that are more traditional, like, you know, I'm gonna be making uh, some tables for my sisters and stuff like that. Like, it's like, oh yeah. I have to like have lumber that, you know, I have to process. And so I'm just going to go to a place that's like, that's a minimum of S2. If I can find some S3 stuff and it's nice and kiln dried, that's what I'm going to grab because it's going to save me time in the shop. Like, right. you know, <laughs> yeah, I get it. For sure. For sure. Um, I am interested in the, the way you kind of stated it, and so I want to maybe, maybe it's just a clarification. Like when you talk about bringing some color in, and like a future, you know, um, series, you kind of said it was different to you from fine furniture. So I'm curious. <laughs>
1: Like. I know you are but I'm not divulging until we get there I'm sorry <laughs> we'll, we'll do another interview later okay but I have to evolve the idea it's like one of those things like it's it's really been um I thought of it around Christmas time it has nothing to do with Christmas but it just kind of came in and I was mulling about it and then I thought about it and I was like well that could be a lot of fun and it's something that I could do and it's not as intense as building like a really fine like table, something that I could do a little faster Mm -hmm. and, um, not mass production, but definitely less, less of a a one-off kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Um, But let's do an interview in the future. (laughs) That's more like colorful. (laughs) I'll wear some bright colors
0: to match. Okay. (laughs) I got it. I got it. Um, when you're are you the fine furniture maker like are you using like no hardware and you're are you doing all um... uh,
1: it's all traditional or contemporary um joinery
0: okay. so
1: no fasteners um no screws no nails no no nothing mm-hmm. um, i think if i had to to make a joint stronger you know if you had to use a particular yeah. um like there are some metal dowels that can reinforce certain areas that might have a lot of pressure on them. Mm -hmm. I would think about it, Um, but I haven't... um, The only piece, so at my website, there's a piece called um, Blue Heron. It was these bar stools and they have a laminated curvature that supports the um, structure all the way through. Mm-hmm. I did have to use um, fasteners, I was um, going to glue or wedge them between um, the like, so they're a pair of bar stools. So like the footrest area, I was going yeah. to wedge that um, between and glue it. Um, but I ended up using brass fasteners instead. Um, which were a pretty um, addition to the piece. They were functional in that it held the support system together. So mm-hmm. if it needed to be, um, it you know, the rest of the chair, you know, was obviously um, traditional or contemporary joinery yeah. me- methods, but, um, you know, that served a purpose. And I think in the long run, it allowed, because of the way that this curved piece went through, it needed to flex a little bit. And I think that allowed less, um, less rigidity in order to flex slightly. Gotcha. Gotcha. If the end, if the means, if it's a means to an end, then, then we'll go there.
0: Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. Um, you briefly said something about, you know, when you worked, um, for the cabinet makers like being the only woman in that space um i'm just curious like there and then when you did go to the woodworking school like was it a similar space there were you the only or one of few um women in that space as well
1: um so specify so it wasn't a cabinetry shop it was we built houses we okay. built Full on houses everything from the um you know the framing flooring roofing like build a house okay got it so mm-hmm. that's so I was on a full construction crew okay um and I was the only woman uh you know I was still expect to do everything that yeah. the guys were maybe I'd carry a few less 2 buys because Whatever, but I still have right. run the right. like framing gun. <laughs> I still had to have a framing hammer to do all, like, I still had to do mm-hmm. everything. Um, as far as the furniture school, I mean, there are far less women no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, any class, I think, you know, I've, I've taken, as I said, that three month class. Um, I've taken two week classes and like a week long course in the shorter classes, there tends to be a couple more women. Um, I was in the three months, that was the largest body of women they have ever had in like a three month program. And I think there was four of us. Um, and I think there was like 10 guys. So, you know, no matter what, there's a lot right. more guys, um, at all times. Um, and you know, I think that, you know, more women are learning. Mm-hmm. I think it's becoming a little bit more ex- not, not acceptable. I hate to say that, but more encouraged, maybe just, mm-hmm. you know, why not learn this? Um, I definitely, you know, growing up, I might've painted something, you know, I might've taken a roller and yeah, a yeah. and about it, but I, I don't feel like I ever fixed anything. Yeah. And that wasn't, um, that just wasn't in my wheelhouse
0: Mm -hmm.
1: um the first time I ever picked up a corded drill the guy's like just be worried yeah like be really careful of the torque you could break your wrist and I was like oh great you know and then I get really paranoid I'm holding this like with a death grip and you know eventually you know but it's just one of the things I guess it could have happened um but there was a learning curve and becoming comfortable with tools. And I think by using all the construction tools, like skill saw, these big, like nail yes. guns, like doing all of this and working with um, table saws that were not, like I have a, um, a saw stop. I have a saw right. stop, right. which basically, I don't know if people have seen it, but yes. if you put a hot dog on there, it's supposed to blade supposed to stop and you're gonna yes. keep your hand. Yes you did not have any of that like
0: nope. I've <laughs> seen the saws at a construction site it's like I wouldn't go near that with like no
1: <laughs> So you know I had you know that experience so I became really um comfortable not overly comfortable still cautious yeah. but yeah. you know you just were okay with working with that which made going to a little bit more um refined way of doing it that much easier
0: yeah were you uncomfortable I mean were you nervous at all going into those all male spaces at first
1: um so being on an island no only once did I have to be like I think they're sexually harassing me do you think you could say something and they were teasing more but that's like that was like a one instance in like the night Seven or eight years that I did it. Um, So, being on an island, you really know each other. And um, I don't, that really didn't intimidate me. The tools intimidated me and whether I could do the work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, but I went in and they went in knowing that I didn't know. Mm -hmm. So, starting with a clean slate. Right. And, you know, they, I worked, as I said, for a couple different companies. Um, so, them knowing that I didn't have the experience and, you know, just being, you know, available to teach me was huge. Mm-hmm. I was actually more nervous about. I drive by the furniture school. And I always wanted to go there. And it took me probably like two years, not even kidding, you, for the gumption to go inside that because I was like, what do I know? Like <laughs> judging all, you know, judging myself nine ways to Sunday. Like, yeah, I don't have those skills. I don't have this, like, you know, I'm a carpenter. What do I know? So getting the courage to actually go in and meet the instructors and voice that I really did want to learn that. And, you know, I, in the end, had absolutely nothing to be worried about it. It's like most things in life, most people are, like, really, you know, especially at school, mm-hmm. they want to teach you. Why else are they there? But um, I didn't feel intimidated in, in any of, like, even going to that, because mm-hmm. the first course I did was a beginner course. So I just felt like, okay, I'm a beginner. They're beginners, too. No big deal.
0: Mm-hmm. So good um now you're in a space where you're like like you said you're on an island by yourself working by yourself <laughs> um in that space and you talked about missing kind of the like collaborative i guess or just like working near or around other artists and like seeing their work and stuff like that and getting back to in-person stuff. Do you think you would ever like either open up your own practice to uh, bring others in or, um, you know, work in conjunction with other artists nearby?
1: Um, I'd love to. So, All right. The bringing other people in is challenging because, um, not everybody really wants to be a woodworker. I mean, I'm living on an Island with 350 other people. Right. (laughs) Then you factor out the older people and then the kids and then the people that are, you know, doing, um, like they work at the school and then you factor out people that already have the other occupations and the carpenters and stuff. Yeah. And you're with a really small <laughs> of people that don't have really much interest in mm-hmm. what I'm doing. Um I think, you know, going forward, the collaborative work, um, I think when things start opening up again because before COVID, there were a couple opportunities that I was um, you know, talking with other artists and it's just bad timing all around. Yeah. I mean, so you really have to trust right now who you're working with and you kind of have that repertoire. I mean, if you have a job, you've been working with other people who have that same respect mentality versus like bringing in someone new, like learning the ropes and everything. Yeah. Um, I think, as this progresses and life opens up and just like slow steps, um, yes. I'm really excited to do more events, as I said, and those are gonna start opening up. Um, I just, it's just a weird time that we are living in right now.
0: Yes. (laughs) Um, Agreed.
1: (laughs) I definitely thought about um, working at a bigger company. There's a couple of bigger um, furniture companies you know, in a reasonable distance or cabinetry tree shops, mm-hmm. um, I haven't gotten so far as to, you know, that hasn't outweighed other things, yeah. you know, you have to weigh the positive and the negative. So I'm sure I'd learn a ton and it'd be a great experience, but it would be at the sacrifice of some other things that mm-hmm. I maybe am not ready to do quite yet. Um, I do want to keep evolving and growing this business and, you know, it's, it's hard because you have to only, like, you really have to balance the amount of work that you take on because building something is, it takes a time. It takes yes. a of time. It's not like I can just throw it together and it'd be like, voila, this is done.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so, you know, it's all kind of like a learning balance scenario.
0: Yeah. I think, I mean, I feel like that's, I feel like that's the struggle, like, though of all of us who want to, like, make our living through creating is the reality of creating things by hand is it takes time. Um, And so at least the struggle I've had is that means that that piece has to, like, be sold for a certain amount of money in order to make this like something I can actually live off of. Um, And just like, how do you find that clientele who's willing to, like you said, buy an investment piece, right? Like to, to understand that what they're purchasing is not something that's meant to just be like thrown away five years down the line, but it's meant to be passed on. You know, for generations, is like that's how they're being built.
1: Well, okay. For me, uh, my summer community likes custom things, and <laughs> you know, this goes along. That's a pro, mm-hmm. but being here in the winter all by oneself is kind of a con. <laughs> so, so in one way is the other. Yeah, um, it's such as life, though.
0: So you talked about, do you, I guess, do you have any shows coming up that you wanted to share about? Um, Well, today um,
1: starts an exhibit at the um, Mesler Gallery at the Center for Furniture Craftsmanship. It's Maine Wood 2022. It's a juried show of um, fine woodworkers in all genres. So that's a, um, a juried show that starts today. It goes on till um, April 6th. Okay. Um, the bench that I did or oh, that was juried in was um, Acadia. And then um, I'm, I'm part of the Smithsonian um, fine craft um, event in April. So looking forward to that. Um, and then the only other show I'd probably have is um, here on the island in August. So, you know, when I get a chance to start um, doing more woodworking and <laughs> less landscaping, I'll add more to that. Um, usually, I do um, an autumn show, especially you know, uh, I usually do a Christmas event or an or and or an um, like a November and a December, mm-hmm. um, and that kind of fills in the whole year. I mean, more than that, it just seems like a lot. Yeah, um, but. So those are the events and then, you know, fill the custom orders and get a couple of pieces that I've been wanting to build um, done. Um, That's a lot.
0: Yeah, yeah, (laughs) absolutely. And you, are you doing any uh, events or shows? I am not. um, Well, actually that's, that's not true. I will be at least submitting a couple pieces to be, juried and then hopefully selected for um, a show. I think it's supposed to be like end of March, early April timeframe in Kansas City. Um, Yeah, so hopefully that will come up. But other than that, I'm in the process of um, I'm almost done with all the things I need to do to apply for grad school. So if I get in uh, that will start in August, and then I will have no life for two years. Uh, so that will be uh, to get my master's of fine art in three D design slash furniture design. So um, that's what so I more like aided
1: design and everything. Yes. Yeah. Nice.
0: Yeah. So uh, it will be it will be an adventure, but. Um, something i'm looking forward to so knock on wood that i get accepted into the program and then then life will be just a different kind of crazy for a while
1: (laughs) i i wish you all the best and i hope you get it
0: thank you thank you um i want to land on like giving you the opportunity to let people know like how to find you um like on social media or online to see your pieces and keep up with what you've got going on.
1: Great. Thank you. Uh, so, my website is ChristinaMVincent.com. Okay. And my social media handle on Instagram is ChristinaMVincent as well. Perfect. <laughs> um, and I think uh, actually on Facebook, it's Vincent and North Shore for summer. Okay, but um, yeah. So any of those, if you went to the website, it you could automatically link to the Instagram. Um, I'm far more active on Instagram, and I kind of just shoot things over to Facebook. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, follow uh, if you're interested. I Love the follow and support. It's always great. You know, sometimes um, you know when you're a maker. Um, And you really kind of putting yourself out there and things that you want to build and things that you care about. Um, You know, I love to hear others feedback, especially positive feedback, but (laughs) but it really is. So that's awesome. And it kind of gives you, you know, it just makes you know that people like care about what you're doing, whether they're buying it or not. It's so Great. Right. Exactly.
0: Well, thank you for chatting today. And uh, sticking with me through the uh,
1: (laughs) technical difficulties.
0: The technical difficulties, yes. (laughs) I appreciate
1: that. I appreciate the interview and thank you as well. Um, And I look forward to seeing more of your stuff. And I really do hope that you get into grad
0: school because that would be awesome. Thank you. Thank you very much. (laughs) All right. So, again, that was Christina Vincent. I will include the links on how you can follow along with her and see her work in the show notes for today's episode. Best places to find that uh, is to look in the description for the episode on your podcast app, or if you happen to be watching this on YouTube, you can check the description box down below. And lastly, you can head on over to freemanfurnishings.com forward slash podcast and catch this episode as well as any of the past episodes. Again, be sure to follow along with the podcast over on Instagram at Crafting a Revolution. And uh, since I mentioned that this gets seen on YouTube as well, in order to find the podcast on YouTube, go to my Freeman Furnishings channel and you will find a playlist called podcast and it will include all the podcasts as long as the guests have okayed it uh, with me for their video to be shared. And speaking of Freeman Furnishings, that is where you can find me when I am not making podcast episodes. You can find me designing and making furniture and home decor at freemanfurnishings.com also um, at Freeman Furnishings on all of the social media channels active most frequently though on Instagram. All right so this is a week where we have two new episodes so I will see you again with another new episode on Friday and in the meantime as always let's go craft a revolution. She, her, then, they got something they to say. Solution for the toxic masculinity. pollution is-